Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton with Supply Chain Now. Welcome back to the show. We're continuing our coverage here at the 18th Annual Reverse Logistics Association Conference and Expo here in Vegas, which is the center of the universe for all things returns, management, and reverse logistics, at least this week. And I'm joined here with a special guest for today's show, Scott Case, Vice President, Corporate Social Responsibility and Sustainability with the National Retail Federation. Scott, how are you doing? Very good. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's exciting. You bet. Well, you know, he's already made an impact. Uh, we should have been taping the pre-show because you you have a lot of personality and ah. great stories. And, and what I hear, maybe some good pictures, but we'll have to do that after the <laughs> Oh, no, no. The pictures stay private. <laughs> <laughs> so, lots of personality. So, let's get to know you a little better first. Before we get into some heavy lifting about industry and all things you're doing, cool things that you and the NRF are doing, let's get to know Scott Case a little bit better. So, let's start with where did you grow up, Scott? So I grew up in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. So, you know, Queen just a little City. north of you. Yeah. Queen City, absolutely. So and that's grown dramatically in recent years. I, it has. In fact, I got lost on the way to my parents' house once. So <laughs> mom is still mad about that. But that city changed Late for fast. dinner. Late for dinner. <laughs> All right. Now, let's switch over to sports. I don't want to make any assumptions around the great city of Charlotte and its great sports teams. Uh, I was kind of... The Charlotte Hornets, when I was a kid, with Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson Muggsy and Bogues. Muggsy Bogues. Those are some of the teams I tracked. Del Curry, yep. Del Curry, the three-point shooting machine. That's right. And his son is now, of course. Apparently, he's famous, too. <laughs> breaking records. But tell me, what, what are, what's your favorite all-time sports team? All-time favorite sports team. You're not going to know this team, but okay. you should. Okay. 2019 Wilson High School Bulldogs. <laughs> Field hockey, state champions, two daughters on the team. Yes. Man, state champs. State champs in field hockey. There you go. So I don't know a whole bunch about field hockey. I'm yeah, assuming I didn't there's. <laughs> <laughs> Are there positions like ice hockey, like defense and offense? It, and is a, it is a crazy sport. Growing up in North Carolina, I'd never heard of it, but it is basically, you know. Soccer with sticks yes. and, uh, and shin guards. It's a, it's a mean sport. So you had two daughters on that team. I don't know if, if your background is like mine. I don't think, other than bowling, which is kind of weird, which I'll save that story for a later time, I was never on a team that won like a big title, certainly not a state title. So your, your daughters had a chance to enjoy that. How meaningful was it to them? It, they loved it. I mean, being part of a team that succeeds, I mean, that's everyone's dream, whether yeah. you're like, you know, middle school, high school, professional, right. Right? right? Being on a team that wins, it's fun. Yeah, awesome. All right. So, uh, favorite movie or book? Oh, one geez. of your favorite movies. Favorite movie or book? Or one of them. Wow. Boy, you're throwing all sorts of curveballs. So, you that's know, right. growing up, I have to be a Star Wars fan, so yes. you've got to throw that out there. Yep. But on the book side... Um, probably something like Net Positive, which is kind of a more recent book right yeah, now. Right. Net Positive, it's really all about sustainability and business, making money, addressing some of the most significant environmental and social issues out there. Wonderful. And as, uh, let's see, we were talking earlier with uh, Dr. Alan Amling and Tom Oglesby, I believe, and both of them were making the point that uh, there's got to be profit involved. 
for it to be more sustainable is that and and and, and uh, be more permanent and kind of locked in a bit uh, yeah i mean it's crazy you can't be sustainable if you can't pay your bills right. <laughs> it's really right. really a simple, simple concept. concept so people seem to think it's like adding all sorts of extra costs or all that kind of stuff it's just yeah. a different way of thinking about your business love that scott okay one last question, and then we're going to get into what NRF does and your role there. You mentioned Star Wars, which my son, uh, maybe he vies with you for the biggest Star Wars fan ever. What is your, there's like 17, 27 movies now. What's your favorite one? Yeah, you know, I'm still an originalist. I was there in the theaters in 1977. Wow. So when that movie popped and that changed my whole world, right? You got good versus evil. And I've been carrying that all the way through my whole career. So. In space, with in, lasers. In space with lasers. I mean, wearing the socks today. So, <laughs> you know. Awesome. So, all right. So let's switch over uh, and, and have a little more fun with Scott Case with NRF. Love what the National Retail Federation does. You mentioned John Gold. He's a friend of the show. He is a, a go-to resource, much like uh, what uh, your reputations preceded you here. Uh, we'll touch on some things that you were doing up at the, the big show. But... For folks, for the three of them out there that may not be familiar with the NRF, tell us about what the organization does and then, of course, your role. Sure. So the, the National Retail Federation is the world's largest trade association for retailers. Ultimately, we're representing 4.2 million retailers across the United States. Some 52 million people work in the retail sector. Yeah, yeah. So our job is to kind of watch out for the industry's best interests. My specific role is actually focusing on the sustainability aspects of it. So this industry in responding to consumer demand mm. for more sustainable products, for more sustainable retailers, retailers are pivoting to address new concerns that probably didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. It is a absolutely extraordinary time in retail here uh, through the pandemic. It's been amazing to see what retailers have done. Of course, supply chain, all businesses, but you know, that customer experience is so uh, synonymous with retail. It's amazing what they've done. Damn all the torpedoes full speed ahead to kind of meet the people where they want to be met, right? Yeah, absolutely. Retail's critical to everything, and retail really stepped up during this pandemic. Yeah, it sure did. And I love your focus on corporate social responsibility and sustainability. Of course, whether it's consumers, whether it's investors, everyone is enamored with more of all of that stuff. So tell us how rewarding, you know, to, to be able to spend your time in that area, which is such in demand, right? And we're trying to find new ways of, of, of making even bigger gains. How cool is that to have a role in that? In that? I, I'm loving it. I mean, this is something I've been passionate about since third grade in the <laughs> 70s before they even invented the word. But I kind of got into the sustainability space early. So if, if you could spell the word sustainability, right. you were like an expert. Right. So I got in early and started doing some work with as a consultant with some of the, the big retailers out there. But looking at sustainability inside of the trade associations, a whole other game. Right. 4.2 million retailers, every single one of them with a different business strategy, a different approach, a different way of thinking about things. So it's really fun to kind of find what all those kind of commonalities are right. Right. and how they can continue to be unique and still deliver sustainable value. Gosh, so much, so many gains already, but so much more work to do, right? So much more work to do. So you mentioned it first hit your radar, the passion first developed in third, gra third grade, third right? Third grade. What was, is there a story? Is there a, a, a eureka moment you had that kind of said, hey, I love this stuff? 
So there, there is a eureka moment. It's like a third grade school teacher. So I was an asthmatic as a kid, hmm. right? I spent time in a hospital struggling to breathe. Wow. I had a third grade teacher. This is the 70s, right? Third grade teacher puts a white sock on the muffler of her car. This is before catalytic converters. It's before clean engines and all that kind of right, stuff. Right, right, right. What I learned in third grade when she showed us how dirty that sock got as she pulled hmm. it off the muffler of her car, what I learned was those car companies were trying to kill me. And that was not really cool. So I learned from that early age that business decisions have hidden human health, environmental, and social impacts. And so that kind of moment, you just kind of carry it forward. Yeah. And now that kind of stuff is just common. Right. Investors understand it. Regulators understand it. Retail executives understand it. Everyone in the supply chain understands it. Right. Now it's just like, how do we all work together to optimize the profits, optimize the environmental, social, and community benefits. Yes, and consumers demand it, and not only do they demand it, they want the transparency and the visibility into seeing that it's being done, and, and the products are, are being sourced from where the, the little writing says they are, and, and, and uh, they're not taking advantage of the labor workforce. It, it goes on and on. Of course, environmental concerns. So much, such an interesting aspect of global business. Absolutely. You picked up on that key term, which is transparency. Right, so the right. investors want to see all the way deep into your supply chain so the investors understand the risks and the opportunities. Yes. And the consumers do too. Right. Consumers now expect they can look at their phone and trace all the way down. Where did this come from? Where did the cotton come from? Where was this beef grown? All those kinds of issues. I, I agree. And I can never remember the, the apparel company that offers this. Maybe Amanda, if she's listening over there, can do a little research. But this apparel company, very successful apparel com uh, com uh, company, allows you on their website to peer into their production line and get a, really, a true sense of how the workforce is treated. Absolutely. And how this cool kind of is thing that? is popping a lot. And what's fascinating is there's an interesting cycle. Consumers, particularly younger consumers, expect that. Yep. And then technology enables it to happen. And once consumers see it happening, then they want more of it. Right, right. And so the cycle continues. And then investors think, whoa, there's money to be made in this. Right. And the cycle really amplifies. And that's like what we're seeing. You know, uh, Scott, you're not real passionate about these I things. I try and keep calm. You told me to behave myself. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so let's talk about the big show, right? The okay. big show, one of the biggest shows in the industry. It was back in person this year. It was. Right? In three dimensions. It was exciting. <laughs> And a bunch of folks came out. You know, it's still a challenging environment, uh, but a bunch of folks came out, and I saw some of between you and John and Tony Sharoda and and many others. I saw some great content come out. So, what were a couple of your favorite moments or key takeaways or what have you? I, I think the most exciting thing, and I go to a lot of conferences, right? I go to like sustainability conferences. I go to industry conferences, and at the industry conference, I might be like the green skunk at a party, but. <laughs> But at NRF, it was all about sustainability right. and supply chains. We had CEO after CEO after CEO talking about the importance of sustainability. Yes. And all of it connected with supply chains because supply chains enable sustainability. Yes. So that's why I kind of like that John Gold guy. I'm with, <laughs> I'm with you. Well, were there any hyphens in supply chains? Uh, <laughs> Here at the big show. Where, where did this hyphen come from? All of a sudden, I guess it's, it's the latest thing. Um, Who knows? Green Playing skunks, too. Green skunk. That's the first time I've heard that phrase. I might steal that one from you. 
So you mentioned there at, your, at NRF, the big show, uh, sustainability and supply chain, you know, to, the, the, to your favorite topics. And then they were talked about, you know, uh, quite a bit. It's like priority programming at the big show. Now, you may disagree, but I would say when it comes to supply chain and sustainability, you know, the industry could, is one of the bigger offenders of creating su- uh, sustainability challenges, right? At the same time, same time. Just because you're getting it all backwards, but I'm being nice. It's your show. <laughs> Supply chain is also in a unique position right. to do something about it, right? Supply and chains are enabling sustainability. Okay. And I it's like only that. these like these transparency trends, right, that have taught people, hey, wait a minute. Every single consumer purchase, every business decision has hidden human health, environmental, and social impacts. Now that we can see that, we're in a position to do things better. Okay. And retailers ultimately want to make consumers happy. Right, right. And consumers want to know that retailers are taking these kinds of issues seriously. So retailers push deep into the supply chain to make improvements that, that improve the lives of millions of people in the process. Okay, good. So supply chains aren't a scapegoat. They're simply doing what... The retailers and what the consumers supply want. chains do whatever you prioritize. Right. And right. so when you're optimizing supply chains, if you only look at price, you get different outcomes than if you say, wait a minute, we're looking for high quality. Right. We're looking for durability. We're looking for good um, materials, sustainable materials. We're looking for workers paid right. You optimize a bunch of different aspects, you come up with better results. The consumers like, investors like, government regulators like, even you like. Everybody's aligned. Everybody's Everybody's aligned. aligned. Well, you're like calming us down. Yes. (laughs) All right. So now that we have learned a lot more about the connection between supply chain sustainability and really just the, the holistic ecosystem, right? Look at you. Big words, right? Big fancy. It is an ecosystem. So let's talk more about the returns management and reverse logistics aspect Mm. of this this ecosystem. That's here, the center of the universe for that, at least for this week. So what's a couple of topics in the reverse space that you're really tracking right now, Scott? Yeah, this has been an amazing conference. So the Reverse Logistics Association has done a great job. Shout out to Tony, who's done some amazing stuff. Yes, agreed. It's really interesting because there's sustainability pieces everywhere, right? So if a consumer buys something maybe online, they buy three pairs of shoes because they're not sure what size, sending two of those pairs back includes environmental, I mean, there's are environmental impacts, financial impacts, right. et cetera. So there's that piece, right? The kind of that quick return. But there's another piece to reverse logistics, which is, say, that, a, that jacket that yeah, you're wearing, right? right? At some point, you decide, yeah, you're not wearing it much anymore. Right. You could sell it to another consumer. Right. That brand could make money selling the same jacket twice or three times. And that's another piece of reverse logistics. Agreed. It's kind of the big circular economy that's been a very hot topic here at the conference. All things re. Right? All things, All things re. re. Redesign, reuse, right. recycle, repurpose, refurbish. And going, I'm going to go back to the example you at the beginning of your response there that you shared where uh, retailers allow folks, encourage folks perhaps, to order three pairs of shoes, try them on at home, and then a consumer, because they can, will send two back. That's a perfect illustration of your earlier point Supply chains just do what the priorities are, right? What the what the leadership has determined are the priorities for the organization. Exactly. But right? here's where it gets fun. Consumers 
get upset at the retailer. They're like, you made me buy three pairs. because I. So what's happening, consumers are expecting to reduce waste to eliminate these kind of adverse impacts. So there are technologies out there, right? We've heard about them on the stages where they will like measure your size, right? right? You My can size. scan your My footprint, size. right? Yeah. You know exactly what you're looking for. So there's a financial incentive for retailers to do the environmentally correct thing. Love that. So this is where there's real business value in this sustainability perspective. Well, so how, what is your take? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw another uh, uh, hypothesis out there. So right. careful one with old Scott Case here. I'm liking these so multi-syllabic <laughs> words here, Mr. Scott. <laughs> the, uh, the consumer, active part, right? Uh, as, as Greg White likes to say, the consumer starts, uh, the supply chain starts and ends with the consumer. So th- their role in, in those situations you just described, you know, we're making these conscious decisions that really deeply impact the tidal wave of returns and, and, and all the things that global supply chains, especially on the reverse uh, reverse side, also the returns processing side to get it into hopefully uh, um, uh, not going to landfill, but getting back in, sh- in uh, on, on shelves where other yep. folks can buy my, my track suit, right? Yep. What, what must consumers do differently, perhaps, uh, to help help improve this situation? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, so there's, there's kind of a split thing, right? There are some consumers that are driving this hard, right. particularly the younger Gen Z consumers. Some of them would rather buy used than buy new. Mm. So there's kind of interesting consumer demand. Right. But as retailers respond to that demand... It's becoming easier and easier for people like my mom to do kind of circular economy stuff, right? Because they're optimizing it and making it as easy as possible so that even older generations, sorry, mom, but older generations now realize, hey, wait a minute, they can be sustainable and still buy the kinds of products they want to buy from the kinds of retailers they like to shop at. Agreed. More choices. More choices, more, more options. sustainable choices. Yeah, more sustainable choices, and even for folks that may not be geared naturally—not not picking on anyone in your family—but may not be geared to choose some of those more sustainable choices. At least they're they're there. And right? see, this is where this—you're brilliant. So what's happening? I've never right? been accused of that. Yeah. I'll let you say it though. What's happening, right? Is the investors really want the retailers? to behave in more sustainable fashions because they're trying to avoid risks that might exist deep in a supply chain. The fact that someone like my mom is behaving sustainably without even knowing it Mm. doesn't mean a lot to my mom, but the investors see the value in that. The retail executives see the value in that. So at some point, it stops being sustainable and just becomes convenient. Right. And I would argue if the consumers see the value and the investors see the value, everything else will follow. To, it, it, it might be it's a little simplistic. It tends to fall into place. Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of heavy lifting. I feel like I've earned some kind of certification here over the last 30 <laughs> minutes. What do you think, Darren and Ron? Um, okay, so let's – before I shift gears and ask it for a big, bold prediction, anything else when it comes to you know this reverse side – the returns management side, any other interesting observations you want to share with us? Well, I I think the hottest topic in sustainable retail right now is this circular economy. Right. And the circular economy simply doesn't exist 
without reverse logistics. Agreed. So what's going on right here at this event, what the Reverse Logistics Association is doing, what the National Retail Federation is busy kind of encouraging and, and talking about, is in fact the emergence of this circular economy and the, uh, the greater efficiencies of this reverse logistics supply chain. Agreed. And you know, uh, we've had a lot of conversations with some of the companies that are innovating in this space here over the last couple of days, naturally. There's also been just a lot of investment out there and interest in uh, the reverse and the returns side of things. And, and that's great for industry too, right? Yep. We're going we're gonna to gain some innovations and gain some options and gain some efficiencies because of that, right? You got to give the people what they want. Absolutely. Maybe okay. make a little money while you're doing it. I like how you think. All right. So big, bold prediction that you can make for 2022. What are we going to see more of this year? Big, bold prediction. So it's going to sound trite, right? But what we're going to see is more and more emphasis on sustainability. Right. We're going to see it from uh, government officials. We're going to see it from investors. We're going to see it from consumers. And we're going to see it from everyone along that value chain. Deep inside supply chains, suppliers, the smart ones, are saying, hey, here is how I can help you as the retailer be a little more sustainable. Here's how I can help you deliver more sustainable value to the consumer. So what's happening is everybody along these value chains is understanding the importance of sustainability because right. everyone has to please the consumer right. That's right. and the investor. Well, so how can we, you know, I loved your, um, your third grade moment where your teacher put the sock over the muffler. You know, clearly that, you finally get, or for the first time maybe, you got it, right? You got it. Even with all the additional emphasis on sustainability, for any of the holdouts out there, what would give them their sock over the muffler moment? Ooh, <laughs> I like that question, Scott. What's the current? I think actually what we've seen is COVID, right? Right. Because what happened is all of a sudden people had more spare time. They actually felt the disruptive impacts of hiccups and supply chains. And they actually started realizing, hey, wait a minute. Something that's happening in some city in China that I've never heard of right. is affecting my ability to get the products that I want. Right. And so all of a sudden, people started realizing that things don't just materialize out of thin air. There are supply chains to provide the products they want. And they're beginning to realize that the environmental, sustainable, social impacts that exist throughout those supply chains, they can trace Yes. So I think, you know, the white muffler on the sock for me, that was easy in the 70s, right? But now I think COVID actually has shown a really, really bright green spotlight on supply chains and consumers get it. That and TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> that is an excellent point. And you know what? We're going to have to add that. We regularly talk about, you know, there's always good news if you look for it, right? Uh, we regularly talk about the silver linings that have existed over everything else that's transpired the last couple of years and one of those silver linings that you're um, spiking the football on is how it's added to the uh, a more agreed upon value of sustainability and, and, and a greater uh, a moment for consumers to kind of have that your own, their own eureka moment about how they're maybe contributing to the problem. Absolutely. Right? So, Everyone's kind of seeing the world differently. Green. And luckily, a lot of them are looking through green lenses these days. That is wonderful news. That is good news. So we'll wrap on that. So final question for you. How can folks connect uh, with you, Scott, and NRF? Very good. So you can obviously you can find the National Retail Federation online at nrf.com. And I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn, although I spell Scott properly with one T. 
So it's Scott's case, you know. I don't know about these wasteful extra T's you have there, but, you know. It's all about sustainability, being efficient with your resources. Oh, Scott, you need your own TV show. You are, you we're really, on our TV. I'm on your true, TV show. True. We're going to we're gonna have to talk with your agent. I love <laughs> yeah. your personality. She's sitting over there. <laughs> I love the personality, energy, and the, the practical examples. I think, I think a uh, sign of a great communicator that knows what they're talking about is being able to take practical everyday examples that sock on the muffler is a brilliant because anyone can get that and even whether you're in the industry you got a couple toes in the industry or maybe you're completely new you understand where you come from and you do really good at that so a big thanks for taking some time with us here today thank you for the opportunity thanks to john gold for yeah john gold happen. that's the agent john should be the agent yeah. absolutely he'll that's, keep us both straight <laughs> right Thank you for your time. Don't go anywhere just yet. I'm going to be signing off here. Uh, all right, folks, that was a rock and roll. I don't know, 27 minutes, Scott, I believe, um, but 27 minutes well spent with the one and only Scott Case with the National Retail Federation. Make sure you connect with them. Hey, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. We've had so many great conversations from different angles here at the 18th Annual Reverse Logistics Association Conference and Expo. It sounds like, like Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. Reverse Palooza. Palooza. Maybe so. It's coming up next. Um, but folks, whatever you do, make sure you connect with Scott, number one. But number two, on behalf of our entire Supply Chain Now team, Scott Luton signing off. Challenging you to do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.